Good morning. It's good to see you. All right. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Romans 8. So this is Romans 8, 35. This is out of the New King James Version. Just want to encourage you with this verse. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, nakedness, peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Will we stand in prayer? Heavenly Father, we pray We pray for those who are discouraged and suffering, who feel isolated from your, from your love. We pray that they know that your love is present and even in our hardships, we can be more than conquerors through you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, this morning, I'm just overjoyed, over the top. Yesterday, I got to talk to my daughter in China. I saw my son. Um, I saw my son who lives in Wichita and his his special friend. I found out yesterday on my grandson's first birthday that my next grandbaby is going to be a little girl. Isn't life sweet? Oh, man, God is so good. You know, most of you are going to be able to quote this verse as I read it. And this was kind of a surprise to me, but okay, Lord, if this is the one you want, this is the one we give him, right? Hallelujah. If you do want to turn in your Bibles, I'm at John 3.16. How many of you know it? Raise your hand. Okay, if you want, you can say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I thought, Lord, how does that go with offering teaching? You know? And he said, because I gave, it should prompt them to give. What do you think? Pretty simple? It doesn't have to be rocket science, does it? No. And we give to him according to the love in our heart, right? We give out of what we have. We give as we desire to, right? And God is so good, he multiplies it, doesn't he? He is so amazing. I just am awed of him every day. I found out that my deck, you remember my deck, people? Okay, the builders are in contact with me, and they're, they're, they've got all, my, all of the stuff ordered. Isn't that cool? So when it gets warm enough and the snow's off the old deck, 
they'll begin, I'm sure. Bless you this morning, people. Do you know God loves you? Do you know how much he loves you? He just told us in that scripture, doesn't he? He gave the very best he had. You know, and you might not be doing what the widows might did this morning, but you do what God prompts you to do, and he'll be pleased with what you have to give. Hallelujah. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see you. I, uh, I'm going to do something here in a moment, which uh, I just feel completely weird doing. I've been uh, ministering for over 30 years, uh, youth pastor, you know, and you think you've done everything you can possibly do as a youth pastor and nothing will ever scare you again. And uh, then I became an administrator at a church in uh, the church that I was a youth pastor at, and that was a whole new learning curve and having to do things I'd never done before, organizing people, telling them what they needed to do. I ended up liking that part, you know. Uh, <laughs> and then becoming the assistant pastor, then coming over here and being the assistant. And, and it seems like every step that God uh, takes me through, He actually asks me to do things more that I don't really feel comfortable doing. And so the last one was when we raised money for the, for the addition. And that was just so weird, you know, to have a capital campaign and say, hey, we need money and here's why we're doing it. But praise God, look what God has done. Amen. So if we're faithful to do what he tells us to do, then uh, he, you know, he will bless us and he'll give us the, the desires of our heart and he'll, he'll bless us. And so tomorrow, or tomorrow, today, <laughs> I'm here, I'm trying to put it off. It's just a, subliminally, I'm trying to. So today I'm going to do something I've never done before. And uh, obviously, but, and, and I'm going to do it and, uh, you know, it'll just going to be my first time. So you're here. It's the first time. So I want to introduce to you the fact that I wrote a book. And I've been, uh, I've been told to, to say it this way by the Holy Spirit. He says, to tell, tell people that this is, you've published your first book. So I've published my first book. And uh, it's, a, it's a, actually a story about, it's called The Time Between Times. Time Between Times. And it's the, uh, the premise that there's a time when God tells you he's going to do something. Whatever that promise is, it could be the promise that that you'll uh, you know have a child, or you'll be married, and then there'll be, or or it could be that you're maybe called into the ministry, or you're or you're supposed to go to college, or whatever. But then there's always a time between the time God says He's going to do something and when it actually happens. And what do you do with that time? Well, how do you maneuver in that time? Because in that time will come every discouragement, every fear, every concern of failure, every possible attack on you. It will, it will attack you in every, every possible way. And uh, literally the writing of this book has been a time between times. Uh, the Lord told me, or I actually preached the very first time on this subject uh, in 1999. So how many of you can remember back that far? Yes, a few of you. And uh, there might be, even be a couple people who were in the, that very first, uh, that first time I preached that at, at Abundant Life Church in River Falls, Wisconsin. I preached a series on this idea. Because I saw that pattern over and over, and you know, just every single uh, uh, character in the Bible, every single person that was in the Bible went through a time between times. Moses was was told, "You're going to be a, a deliverer," but he had to wait forty years on the backside of a mountain. Noah was told to build a boat, you know, and and but he waited 120 years before the first raindrop. 
and so on and so forth. Even Jesus went through a time between times when he uh, was in the temple at 12 years old, and he was he, and the, the, his parents found him. He said, "They said, what are you doing?" And he says, "I'm. A, don't you know I'm supposed to be about my father's business?" He knew who he was. He knew what his call was. He knew what God, why he was on the earth. He had read it. He had heard it in the in the Word in the in the, uh, the their scriptures, and and so he's ready to minister at 12 years old. His parents says, "No, you don't. You're coming home with us." And what did he do? The Bible says he submitted himself to them. And he grew in wisdom and stature and favor in man. And because he did that, because he submitted himself to the process, when he ministered, he was in the right, he was, he would, he did it right. It was at the right time in the right way. And so this book has a whole bunch of different uh, explanations. Uh, I just was told by somebody they wish they had read this book when they were younger, much younger. So young people buy the book. It's a good time to buy the book. It really is. And so uh, I, I only have one copy with me this morning. I have other copies, but I have to use them for something else. And, and I've always thought, I've watched people do this. I go, I'm going to give this away. I'm going to give this copy away, but I'm going to give it to somebody specific. And there's a reason is uh, throughout the years, uh, 2014 is when I knew I was supposed to write it. And I began to do some work towards it. In 2016, I quit and I put it down. I just, I just wasn't, I wasn't there. I wasn't, I wasn't able to finish it. It was a, it was a tough period of time right around the end of 2016, uh, I was, we were in a, a leaders meeting sitting right back there in the, in the back of the back of the area, uh, in the back of the sanctuary and having a leaders meeting. And we were talking about money, how we were going to pay for this, how we were going to pay for that. And, and really we weren't as blessed back then as we are now financially. So it was, it was literally, well, what are we going to do? How do we do this? And, uh, in that meeting, if you, those of you who remember Dick Mann, Dick Mann looks up and he goes, just write a book. He said, just write a book. That's what everybody else does. They write a book and it pays for everything they need to do. Need to do. And, and it was that push that got me thinking, okay, I got to get back in to do this. So I want to give this to Barb. This, this is... Yeah, thank you. And uh, there, there's a, an acknowledgement in there for him and, and others. You'll have to read the book. It's available on Amazon, okay? So just in case, in case you want. You already bought it, yeah. We've already got some people who have bought it, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I will. He actually ran me, almost ran me down in the, in the parking lot wanting me to sign the book, so yes. You'll, you'll be the second person that I sign a book for, yes. Amen. That just feels weird. I'm just telling you. It just it feels weird. But thank you. Thank you for the support. It's on Amazon. It's in both paperback and Kindle. And uh, enjoy. Amen. And then after you've read it, please go online. Go on Amazon and write a review. A nice review with a five. Like a five stars. <laughs> because the more reviews and everything like that, it moves you up the list. And then right now, if you type in time between times, you'll never find it. It doesn't happen. It, but if you type in my name, it'll, then you'll find it. So, ah, okay, let's go on to other stuff, okay? Just feels weird. All right, so we've been talking for a number, number of weeks now about authority. And I'm actually going to start at the end 
and work my way back because it seems like every time, every time I've gotten into this and start talking about that you have authority and that your, that your authority stems from the righteousness, your right standing with God, and that we have to believe it, it seems like I get stuck there. So I'm not going to start there today. We're gonna, if, if, I, if I get there, it's because God you know, wants us to get there. But a few weeks ago, uh, Angie shared a testimony about God's goodness and about his, his favor, but how using her authority... God, God fulfilled what he had promised her. Well, Katie has uh, asked if she could share a testimony. So Katie Penning, if you'd come on up, she wants to share a testimony of how, that, how God has done that in her life also. So give Katie a warm welcome. Hi. Um, yeah, so I wanted to share uh, a testimony or a story that happened last fall. Um, and with Pastor John talking about authority the last few weeks, um, I just felt led to share. So um, I guess a little bit of background. I'm like normally a pretty laid back, easygoing person. So talking about using authority and engaging in spiritual warfare and kind of that kind of stuff um, does not come naturally to me because <laughs> I'd rather just go with the flow and that sort of thing. So um, it's been really challenging and really good. Um, yeah, so last fall, it was actually after um, our worship night in September. And um, it was probably one of the most powerful times of worship I've ever experienced. Um, kind of like the term spiritual high. I just felt really close to the Lord. Um, and I was on my way home. And I don't often like hear voices, but I heard a voice in my head say, you're going to die tonight. And here I am, like, coming off of the night of worship, really, like, just feeling really close to the Lord. And I heard that voice, and my immediate reaction, like, in the past is just to be like, oh, that wasn't from the Lord. I'll just ignore it and move on. Um, but I felt led to just start praying out loud. And I didn't say anything very long. I just remember saying... Um, I uh, I just said, I rebuke that voice. I know that's not the voice of my father. Um, I choose to listen to his voice and trust him and obey him. So it was just pretty simple, but I'd never really like done that before. So it felt weird <laughs> to just talk out loud in the car. Um, and I just went on my way home and set my cruise control, went down Manning, and like five minutes later, a deer ran out and I stopped in time where I didn't hit the deer and was just like, thank you, Lord, um, kept going. And then all of a sudden the Lord started just like clicking things in place in my brain. And this sounds really weird, but like six months before this, I had been driving and, um, sorry, this seems like it's a tangent, but it'll fit into place. Uh, six months before I had been driving and my habit was to just set my cruise for like seven over the speed limit. And I, I know, um, it was just my habit. It's all, I've always done it. And all of a sudden it was like the Holy Spirit was like, why? Why not just set your cruise for the speed limit? And um, I don't know, sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to us in questions, I think. Uh, so I just was like, I don't really know. And then after that, I was like, 
I'm just going to set my cruise for the speed limit. Like, it's just a little thing, but I'm just going to do it. Um, but all of a sudden, as I was driving after the deer and everything, the Lord clicked things into place. How, um, like that moment of, um, I just started setting my cruise for the speed limit. It seems like such a weird little thing, but um, I did that. I kind of see that as like just a little bit of faithfulness or walking in obedience. And then that night, the specific words I spoke were I choose to listen to the voice of my father and obey him. And then I set my cruise for the speed limit and I didn't hit the deer. But I know that if I would have set my cruise for seven over the speed limit like I used to do, maybe that voice would have been right that I would have hit the deer. I don't, I don't really know. But the Lord just clicked those things in place and I was amazed at like just how he worked everything. And I know it's not to say, like I know sometimes the devil can take truth, like the fact that us walking in obedience um, can protect us. And sometimes the devil will take that truth and twist it and say, well, obedience doesn't equal this, you know. But I just wanted to clarify that when we listen to the voice of our Father and when we obey him, um, yeah, that we are walking with him and following him and we trust him and trust his voice. I don't know if that all made sense. It made sense in my head, but <laughs> but that's just what I wanted to share um, and encourage you all with. So be encouraged to use your authority and um, yeah, engage, rise up and engage in spiritual warfare instead of just writing something off. So. Amen. You have to actually take that step out. You actually have to, to do something. You have to say something. It does feel weird, doesn't it? It feels, it, it seems weird the first time you do it. Especially, you know, in, in, uh, in, uh, a situation where maybe you're in bed, you're, you're in a car by yourself, or whatever, and you're, you're talking out loud and you're thinking, well, wait a second, this is just, I'm talking to myself. No, you're not. You're talking to powers and, and principalities and spiritual, uh, authorities in heavenly places. Amen. And so, uh, go ahead and let's turn there. Let's turn to, to uh, that thought in 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. I told you I'm going to start at the end and work backwards. So there, I'll give you the answer first, and then we'll get back to where we were. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 3, says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So when someone is in authority, we talked about the, the police officer. We talked about the police officer who's in their police car. They're in the police car that has been given to them by the government. Has, they've, been, they've received authority to sit in that, that office, that place. And they're also in a uniform. Or if they're, if they're plain clothes, obviously, blah, blah, blah. But if you know they're in a uniform and they have a badge and they have a gun. But what is that 
authority, what does that police officer have the right to do? That's, that's, that's what I want us to, to grasp hold of today. What does that authority, that person who's in authority, what do they have the right to do? Well, the first thing they have the right to do is to recognize an infraction, right? They have the right to look, to be watching all, you know, watching uh, humanity, their drive, people are driving by or they're walking down the street or whatever. They have the right, they have the authority to look at what's going on and go, that's wrong. That's, that's an infraction, whatever it may be, driving seven miles over the speed limit. You know, somebody, if somebody were to do something like that or whatever, I mean, seven miles over the speed limit, <laughs> rookie. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> I saw a meme one time that says, you know, somebody's driving seven miles or whatever, five miles over the speed, move over so we, uh, we can, you know, that, those of us who are really serious about this can move, you know, get going. <laughs> but they can see that infraction and they can go, that's wrong. They have the right to do that. Now, we, we can see that. We can see somebody, you know, I'm driving down the road and somebody flies by me. I'm thinking, whoa, you know, what's the deal, speed racer? You know, I mean, that's, if, but here's the deal. When I do that to somebody else, I'm not thinking, whoa, you know, who do you think you are? You know, you're so important. You know, I'm thinking I am important. I got to get going. Let's go. <laughs> But we see that we have, we don't have the authority to go, to point it out and go, that's wrong. Now we can complain about it. We can whine about it, but we don't have any, any authority to do something about it. But the first thing that they have to do is they have to recognize that's an infraction. That's not lawful. That's not good. Okay. That's wrong. Then they have the authority to do something about it. What's the first thing that they have authority to do? push the button, woo! That, what that does for most people is, is it causes you to go, woo, slow down and pull over. What's the, what, is that, what is that authority, what is that police officer doing? Well, he's taking that infraction captive. Now, we don't, you know, obviously, hopefully you don't end up in, in uh, you know, handcuffs or, you know, anything right away. But you, but even just having that person pull over, when you pull over, why are you pulling over? Because you recognize the authority. They do have the authority to do something. If you try to outrun them, they're going to catch you eventually. And so, so you just go, okay, fine. And, and you pull over. They take you captive. Now they could take you even more captive if, if need be, but they have the right to, to, to contain you, to, to restrict you from continuing to do what you do. Now, I'm not going to give all the answers right now, but, but think it through with me, work with me in this concept, is that we're talking about spiritual authority. We're not, we're not dealing with flesh and blood here. You know, we don't, we're not dealing with, 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 uh, with you doing something wrong or you doing something wrong or an individual doing something wrong. We're, what we're looking at is what's happening in the spirit realm. What's happening in, in reality of the spiritual realm. And, and the, the official or the officer sees something happening on the natural realm and goes, whoa, that's an infraction and woo, and they pull him over. We were in, uh, uh, Belarus many, many years ago. And there was a man in a uniform, in a police uniform, standing along the street with a wand. He had like a white wand. And he's standing there. 
And he's just, he's not moving, he's not standing, and we drive by him. And I saw one, I, you know, I saw many of these people as we were driving through uh, busy areas, and I'm thinking, what are they doing? Are they a, a, a crossing guard or whatever? I don't know. And, and I'm thinking, what is the deal? But he's just standing there with this wand. And one, and it was, we're driving by, and all of a sudden we're driving, and we're in a bus, and we're driving by, and I see this, another guy down the road further take the wand, and he went... And immediately the car in front of us pulled over. The guy didn't have a machine gun. He didn't have, he didn't even have a car. He was just standing there and he went. And that car immediately was captive. He, st- he had the authority. I asked our driver, I said, okay, what was that? And he goes, oh, he's a traffic cop. And if he tells you to pull over, you pull over. Because down the roadways, there is a machine gun. <laughs> and there is a, every, we all know they can stop us if we, you know, but so this guy has all the authority backing him up to go, that whatever you just did was an infraction and you're going to pull over and what? Whew, they pull over. He take, they have the authority to take captive. Then this verse says that, that for, uh, the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds you not the the police officer not only has the right to to detain you and to stop you from doing what you're doing he also has the right to put you in jail if it's bad enough they have the right to put the handcuffs on you and put to, to literally physically stop you from doing the infraction that you're doing so do you in the spirit realm you have the authority to recognize an infraction. But first of all, you need to be able to recognize the infraction. What's an infraction? We'll talk about that in just a second. What kinds of things are infractions? But then you have a right to contain that, to, to, to take it captive, because you have to stop it from doing what it's doing. And we'll talk about some specifics in just a moment. But then you have the right as it says here, to destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. That's the only thing Satan has, is to try to accuse you and try to tell you, to try to convince you that what he's telling you is correct. It's a lofty idea. It's a lofty thought. It's a, it's a vain imagination. When I'm, when I'm dealing with something with, with, you know, and praying about something or sorting, you know, dealing with whatever, and I'm taking my authority, many times I look at that thing and I say, you're, that's a lie. Katie's example. She said, no, that's not true. That's not what's going to happen. I know the voice of my father. That's not the voice of my, that's all, you know, if Satan's talking to you, he's lying. So if he says you're going to die, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to. Unless you believe it. Or if you don't obey, in that case. You know, obeying is, is actually... The other day I was supposed to be in a meeting and I'm driving, I'm on, I'm on time, I'm actually on time and I'm driving, and I get stopped at a, at a train. A train is, go, come, is coming across and I'm like, oh, shoot, now I'm going to be late. And I text the people, I'm, I'm sitting there and I text them and say, hey, I'm going to be late, I got the stop to the beginning. And I'm sitting there and I'm really bummed and I'm upset that I got caught by a train. And all of a sudden I heard the Holy Spirit says, well, maybe you're not going to be doing something, you know, maybe you're not going to have the trouble you were going to have if you kept going. I, I heard a guy one time, he was speaking, and he says, he goes, I endeavor to see God in every delay. 
Isn't that good? I heard him say, I was like, man, that's powerful. I endeavor to see God in every delay. Maybe there's times when you're not supposed to be down the road. Driving, you know, maybe you're supposed to be driving the speed. If you hadn't been driving the speed limit, that's, you know, praise God. It's exactly what we're talking about. Still frustrating. Still don't like trains. <laughs> but we have the, the, we have the ability to take those thoughts captive, those, those arguments captive, and, we, and, to, and to bring them to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? What does it mean to take those thoughts captive and bring them to the obedience? Because it's like that police officer bringing that captive, that, that lawbreaker in front of a judge, because who's the judge? God, Jesus. I mean, our, our lawyer, I mean, if you look at it, the way it says it in the Bible, our lawyer is Jesus, praise God. But the judge is God. But we bring that thought in front of the judge, and we say, this is what I think it is. I think it's an infraction. I think it's a, it's a law. You know, it's breaking the law. And the judge has the right to go, yeah, that's breaking the law. That is breaking the law. You're right. You saw right. We're going to punish that infraction, whatever it is. And, and, and so we have the right to bring these thoughts, these ideas. And what she did was exactly right. You, you attack it straight on. We don't have to pray when, you, when we hear that voice, you know, oh, this is going to happen. This bad thing's going to happen. We don't have to pray and go, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. Because God's already helped you. He sent Jesus. Jesus did everything he was going to do. He's now given you the authority to deal with it straight on. That's an infraction. I'm not going to die. And why? Why do I know? Because I have a legal right, because the Bible says I will live and not die, and I will declare the glory of God, the goodness of God. Now, there will be a day I die, but it will, I'll be old and I'll just step over. I'm not going to die of COVID. I knew I wasn't going to die of COVID three years ago. I'm not going to die of this. I'm not going to die of that. I'm not going to die one second earlier than when all, of my, all that God's given me to do is fulfilled. And I'm not done yet. There's things that he has told me that I will do. He's told me some things that I, there is no way that I can make it happen. I don't know how it will happen, and it's not even close to happening. So I know I'm not going yet. You're stuck with me. <laughs> but we know that because the Word of God says that He's given us promises, and so we don't quote how I feel about it, because how I feel about it doesn't matter. Well, I don't like, I don't like sickness, so I don't want you to attack me. <laughs> That has as much authority as nothing. The authority you have is, by his stripes, I am healed. Man, I, you know, I, I start feeling symptoms, whatever it is. By his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I was healed. That's also a, 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 a biblical verse. By his stripes, I will always be healed. And I say those things out loud. And I, and I, and I have the same thought in my head sometimes, well, that's weird. You're just saying that. Yeah, I am just saying that, but I have the authority that backs me up, that I have the authority to take that thought captive, whatever thought that is, and to bring it in front of the judge, and the judge is going, yep, you're right, John. That, that thought, that concept, that vain imagination does not have authority over you. You have authority over it. What do you want it to do? Well, the next part is awesome. It says that we destroy, we destroy 
arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Because we have to take our own thoughts captive. Because our own thoughts will lead us into a really, really dark place very quickly. You know, I... I many times will share what's going on in my life, and you know sometimes it's embarrassing. Sometimes I'm, you know, it's very vulnerable. But over the last few years, I've I've dealt with the opportunity to be anxious for anxiety. I'll get you know I've got a lot going on. I'm busy. My schedule's full. I've got a lot of people who 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 are are you know uh, dependent on on me making good decisions and doing things right and making so I can have I can find myself at times. Getting very anxious. You know, I've, I've described it to Deb. It feels, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but you're just kind of living your life, and all of a sudden it feels like every nerve in your body is doing this. I see a lot of heads nodding because you recognize that. It's just all, it just feels like every nerve. And I'll, and I'll catch myself letting, not dealing with that immediately, and I'll go, oh, that's annoying. Why did I let that go for even a second? And I will stop and I'll say, I'm taking this thought captive. I am not anxious. The Bible says that God has given us peace. Jesus said, I give you peace that passes understanding. I'm not feeling peace. In that, in that moment, I'm not feeling peace that passes understanding. I'm feeling anxiousness. I'm feeling anxiety. I'm feeling, I'm feeling uh, uh, nervousness or whatever it is. And I will literally stop and I'll say, no, I'm not, I'm not taking another step until this is dealt with. Satan, get your hands off my body. Get your hands off my mind. Get your hand. You are not, I am not going to be uh, anxious. I'm not going to have anxiety. I'm not going to have stress. Uh, the stress is not going to harm my body. I start speaking to my mind. I start speaking to my body. You come in line right now with the word of God. I take that authority and I speak it out. I mean, I'll be laying in bed at night. Now, I don't yell because I don't want to wake her up. But I'll be speaking. I'll say, in the name of Jesus, you get away from me right now. You, you foul lie. You get out of this. My, you get out of my mind. You get out of my life. You get out of this house. In Jesus' name. I ha we have that kind of authority to say no. You know, and, and that lie could be anything. I mean, I'm just telling you a few. It literally could be anything. You know, uh, go up to, uh, well, I'm going up to my notes. In First John 3, we were there last week. First John 3 beginning with verse 5, but it's really verse 8 that I want to highlight because we, we talked a lot about verse 5, 6, and 7 last week, but I want to highlight 8. says, verse 5, You know that He, Jesus, appeared in order to take away, your, uh, take away sins. And in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. And that's what we talked about where I keep getting stuck, but I'm not going to stop there today. As He is righteous. Then verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Here's the part I want you to see. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Now, you might say, well, wait a second. The world's full of sin. So the world's full of sickness. The world's full of death. There's a, the world's full of lies. Yes. Where did he, what, where, where, okay, when he appeared, where did he destroy the power 
of the works of the devil. Right here. He has given us the authority that those the, the world's going to be the world's going to lie, steal, kill, and destroy. It's what it's doing. And the Bible says it'll get worse and worse, actually. And we see it. But it doesn't have to get worse and worse for you. Why? Because you've been redeemed. You're righteous. You're righteous. You don't have to be dealing with, with the fear, the anxiety. The, you know, how many people, don't, don't raise your hand, how many people in the last six months that Satan has, gone, you're not, has said to you, you're not saved? You're not saved. You screwed up too much as a kid. You're just faking it. You're still sinning. You still sin all the time. And that's not your wife's voice. That's, that's the devil's voice. <laughs> but Satan, Satan says stuff like that. He, say, he has said it to me. He, say, he used to say it to me all the time. You're not even saved. You can't be saved. You, you rejected Christ. And I did back, back when I was young. I, I was an idiot. I actually said it out loud. Jesus, get away from me. I don't want you around. And he's still by his mercy. His mercy. I mean, you want to talk about mercy? The Bible tells, talks about those who have been forgiven much, love much. I love Jesus a lot because of his mercy. He, he, said, he, said, he said, I love you. Come back. And one day, I mean, it was like, it was turmoil in me. You're not saved. You can't be saved. And I finally, I had to, I said it out loud. I said, Satan, that's it. Now, you got to be careful. Don't pray to Satan, okay? Now, you know what I mean by, you know what I mean by that? Oh, 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 Satan, don't, you know, no, don't. When you're talking to Satan, open your eyes, point him in, you know, point at him, go say, get out of here. Leave me alone. You take authority. Don't say please. Take authority. And this is what I said. I said, I, I said, Satan, get out of here. You're a liar. You've been a liar from the beginning. I quoted scripture. That Jesus said that. You've been a liar from the beginning. I don't care. I don't care. The Bible says that I am saved. It says that, that his spirit bears witness with my spirit. I know I'm saved. And, okay, even if I'm not, I don't care. If I go to the end and, I, and for some reason I don't qualify, every day from the rest of my life I will serve God with all of my heart. Now I know I'm saved. But it quit after that. He, doesn't, he holds no, no power over me. Now, I know I'm saved. You can know you're saved. You can know that God wants to provide for you. If, if Satan is, is lying to you and saying that, that this whatever situation it is, it doesn't even have to be poverty. It can be an attack. You're, you find out next week your business, that the business you've worked for for 30 years is going to start, start, start selling it off and we don't know what's going to happen with the employees. I guarantee you, I guarantee you by what the Word of God says, God's going to take care of you. And you can take authority and go, I don't care what the world's saying. I don't care what the, what the banker's saying. I don't care what the, the, the business owner's saying. I don't care what the economy's saying. I don't care what happens. Out of this, I'm going to increase. I'm going to be blessed. That's all scripture. I'm not quoting chapters and verses, but I'm quoting scripture. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And his riches and glory are not affected by the economy. I will, churches, I heard, a, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking to some pastors from across the country, and they, and every one of them said it was really wild during COVID when, when people were shutting down and, and not having church and everything was, they said, 
we had we had some of the biggest offerings we've ever had. And I and they were they were surprised. I said, Why are you guys surprised? God will take care of us. He loves us. He wants to supply our needs. Doesn't matter. You know, why why do offerings in churches go up in bad times? Why? Because people are hedging their bets? No. It's because God meets people's needs. And he knows the gospel needs to be preached. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world. We cannot be, we can't allow those vain imaginations that doom and gloom and terrible things are about to happen to you. Man, teenagers deal with that all the time. Young people deal with that all the time. You know, probably not going to find a spouse. Not one that's good to you anyway. Well, that's a freaking lie. Sorry. <laughs> that is a lie. It's a lie. God has, God, has, God has people. He wants to bless you. You will have a job. You will get an education. You will have a spouse. You'll have amazing kids. You're going to have a blessed life. Just follow him. Doesn't matter what Satan says. Satan says your kids are, your kids are going to walk away from God and they're not going to serve. They're not going to serve and you're going to, you're going to be alone. And you're, you're, that's, a, that's a lie. No, you take authority over them and say, no. My kids are going to serve God their whole life. Not because I force them to, but because God is good and he's going to do everything he can to woo them back if, if they stray. Whatever the lie, I mean, Satan is always lying to you, man. You, if I go around the room, everybody goes, well, it's this one, it's that one. You know, you recognize, you know, he's a liar. So we have to be like that police officer and go, stop. That's a lie. That's, that's an infraction. You stop. I have authority to stop you from talking in my life. I have, I have authority to stop you from stealing from me in my life. Why? Well, if you want to see the, if you want to see the statute, it's right here. This is the statute. Here's, here's where there's the law that you just broke. You don't have authority. Exact opposite. And whenever Satan steals from you, you claim back sevenfold. That's a promise. If the thief is caught, he must pay back. I've seen it happen more and more. Years ago, years, long time ago. There was a situation, it wasn't necessarily the person's fault, but they, they, they cheated me out of some money. Something happened, it was, like I say, it wasn't completely their fault, but there was money that was not given, paid to me that, that should have been paid to me. And I, I, I got upset. At first I was upset at them, I'm just being honest. But then I realized it's not against flesh and blood. What, that, it isn't that person it really isn't. It's, it's the world system. It's Satan. It's, it's evil. It's the evil in the world. And I went, okay, I'm not fighting against them. I'm not going to say a word to them ever again. I'm not going to deal with that. But Lord, here's what I want. I want seven times that amount. I'm putting it into your hands. Now, I, I did not every day after that go, remember God, sevenfold. Remember, ha, huh? I remember. I didn't keep going. But at that one time, I was serious. I said, God, that amount is this. And I believe that's been stolen from me. I want sevenfold back. I'm, I be, I'm believing for sevenfold. A number of years later, a situation happened where, where I received a chunk of money. I mean, it was a chunk of money. I was like, where, what was that all about? And the Holy Spirit said, do the math. <laughs> and it was seven times what that person hadn't paid me. And I was like, wow. Now it took time. Time between times.
seamless plug. <laughs> Just got to go for it when you have the opportunity. It takes time, right? It does. It, it takes time. It just does. You know, we, we, want, the, we want the, you know, immediate response. We want God, you know, God help me, boom. I actually have a chapter in the book that talks about the, the, the more mature you get, the longer things take. Why? Why? Because God wants you to grow up. When your baby, eh, you feed him. When your teenager goes, eh, you go, <laughs> go mow the lawn first. <laughs> Why? Because you want him to grow up. He wants, he wants us to grow up. So there are times when, you know, healing. Man, I've prayed for stuff in my own body. And, and, and Lord, you know, I, I know that I have the right to live pain-free. I know by his stripes I am healed. I am standing on that promise, and I speak to my body, and it, it just it takes time, and I could get frustrated, and you could give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. One of them, I mean, I've used this example before. For those of you who've heard it before, just do something else, doodle, whatever. <laughs> but years ago, I dealt with acid reflux. I mean, I dealt with, I mean... I love red meat, man. I love red sauce. I love, you know, and, and I would, I like coffee and all those things. And my stomach was a mess. I have really high acid content in my stomach. And so I was starting to deal with acid reflux and it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And, and there was a point where all of a sudden I was, I went to the doctor and they said, well, we're going to have to put you on this medicine. I mean, it was one of those medicines that just like, and you're going to be on this the rest of your life. And it was in that moment I went, no. Not gonna, it's not going to happen anymore. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to my, this, this is going to stop right now. And I kept dealing with it. I kept dealing with it. And I kept praying. I, I kept speaking to it. Lord, I know your word is true. I am healed. I will never deal, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I was on a trip in, in Europe, and all of a sudden it went away. I went, that's interesting. It's gone. Praise God. I mean, it was gone, gone. It was no, no pain, no nothing, no drugs, no, no nothing. It's gone. I was just praising God. And I came home, and it came back. I was like, that's weird. Maybe I should live in, in, you know, in Hungary. <laughs> so dealt with it, dealt with it, kept speaking to it, went back to Hungary. I'm in Hungary, it goes away. I'm like, what the heck? This happened a few times. Lightning fast here, lightning fast. <laughs> I'm get, I get, uh, well, then I'm back in Hungary and it goes away. I'm like, what is the deal? Why is this happening? What am I doing differently here than I do in, in the States? Well, in, in Europe, everything is bottled water. You don't drink the water. And most all you can find is soda water. And I, so I, started, I came home. I said, Deb, buy me some soda water. She bought me soda water, and I have not had acid reflux since then. Wisdom. <laughs> the wisdom of God, right? If I quit drinking soda water, would it probably come back? It might. But why, why take a chance? And there's no drugs. Amen? There's been other times. I've had cellulitis. How many of you know what cellulitis is? It's my, the, the doctors say that my, my skin is very thin. I have very thin skin. <laughs> only my physical epidural, you know, only the, the physical skin, because the rest of me is hard. Rock hard. 
but I've had cellulitis, which means it's, it's, a, it's an infection that gets under the skin, and if, it gets, if it's where it starts, and if it gets to your heart, it kills you. I have a friend who died from it. I think I've had it three times, right? Found out I can't do hot tubs. I can't get it because hot tubs are a cesspool of nasty things. <laughs> so I don't do hot tubs anymore. Wisdom, wisdom. But I had it, took, took the drugs, it went away. A few years later, I had it, took the drugs, it went away. The third time I had it, I was like, I'm done with this right now. I went and got the drugs. I went to the doctor, but I'm sitting in the car, and I, I'm, Deb is driving because my leg hurts so bad, and I look at it, and I said, that's it. It will never happen again in Jesus' name. You get out of my body, and you stop right now. Now, before, it would take weeks for it to go away. It was gone the next day. You have authority you have authority to take, to take those things that are infractions. Not people, not, not that, but you have the right to take spiritual infractions. And what are, what are the, the, the works of the devil? Sickness, death, poverty, loss, fear, anxiety, stress, lies, deceit, corruption, lawlessness, and on and on and on. Whatever the Bible says is against him, against the knowledge of Jesus Christ, is lawlessness. And you have authority to stop it in your life. But you have to take that authority. And you have to speak to it. And you have to fight, and you have to not give up. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've provided for us. You've given us everything we need to live this life. Thank you, Father, that you've given us everything we need to survive and to, and to thrive. Thank you, Father, for your authority that has been given to us and that teach us now, Father, through your word, through, through everything else, teach us how to walk in that authority to bring you glory, to, to, to bring these things under the submission of the name and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.